0: at this time, and today I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 14. Um, I'm asking God for wisdom so that I won't be too long, but to just be precise for the honor and the glory of the Lord. Because we know that um, at times we've learned God has shown us, God is absolute and sovereign, and he knows exactly how to speak to our lives. Amen. John 14, verse 1, where the honor and glory of the Lord. If you have it, you can say amen. amen. The Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Amen. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Let your heart be, let not your heart be troubled. believe in God in other words you believe in God believe also in me amen let's just pray father we thank you in Jesus name for this opportunity give us once more to minister with the word of God and we ask in Jesus name, Lord that you will break us as a vessel so that we are able to become receptive to your word and that your spirit Lord will make us sensitive to your spirit God your word Lord will enlighten us will speak to our lives and that you will fill us Lord today with a blessing that can only be received in your presence. I ask God in Jesus' name that you will bind anything, Lord, that is going to try and impede the flowing of the word of God and the anointing of God, and that you will loose, Lord, all blessings and divine revelation from heaven to be ringed upon each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I'd like to entitle this message the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus. Um, Like I said, I'm going to try and be a lot more brief. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. Before this, it's always a good rule to read beforehand or before and after so that you avoid taking the Bible text out of context. So when you read before, you'll get to see that Jesus Christ has just participated or has carried out uh, Passover they've uh, celebrated Passover and Jesus for the first time ever has taken bread and broken it and given it to his disciples he has taken also fruit of the vine in a cup and has shared it with his disciples telling them the bread is his body that is being broken for for them and that that fruit of the vine is now blood of a new covenant This is the first time ever that Jesus Christ is doing this. And we know then uh, through the book, uh, through the books or through the word of God, that at this point, he is going to get ready to be crucified. He is now telling them, and he has already told Judas to go and do what he has to do. Nobody else knows exactly what's going on with Judas, but the Lord Jesus does know. And it comes to a time where he tells them, you know, I'm not going to be with you much longer And he tells him, I'm going to go somewhere. You can't go with me. And Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And he says, where where I'm going, uh, you cannot follow me. Not now, but you will later on. And Peter said to him, you know, why can't I follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus said to him, will you lay down your life for my sake? And he, Jesus tells him, you know, you're going to deny me three times. So it's going to be a troubling time. And that's why verse, four, uh, verse 1 starts off with, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is what Jesus is saying to them. You believe in God. And I know for a fact that you know you believe in God. But just as you believe in God, believe also in me. It, it's very few times that you get to see in the Bible where Jesus actually begins to reveal something about him. If you remember in John chapter 4, it was actually the a very rare um, incident or time when Jesus says to a woman that he is the Christ. So you won't get to see a lot of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus will Command the spirits to remain silent and not to reveal who Jesus is. But at this time, we see now this very important scripture, all of John 14. I know it's going to be quite a bit. I'm going to try and do my best to just um, condense it. We're going to look at three different truths, or three truths. One is that we are, in fact, waiting for Jesus Christ. Two, you will see that Jesus Christ is the Father. Three, Mm -hmm. You will see uh, what he reveals to us about the Holy Spirit. Verses 1 through 6, he lays down a foundation telling us this. In my father's house, verse 2, John 14, verse 2, are many mansions. This is what he says. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. So in my father's house, there's many mansions. If that wasn't the case, then I would have told you that there was no such thing. I would have already been straightforward. I would have revealed it to you. I wouldn't have, in other words, we wouldn't have, people wouldn't have uh, continued to think something that wasn't so. But he says to them, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Then he says to them, I go to prepare a place for you. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying, because throughout the chapter uh, 14, Jesus Christ begins to speak in a prophetic fashion. He speaks to them in such a way, in such a way that we could use some sort of deductive reasoning and see what he's trying to tell us as God's people. Because he says to him, you know, and I want you to remember and know this, that in the times of the uh, of the ancient times, whenever a young man of Israel was going to marry a young lady and they were already committed to one another, he would take time to go and get things ready in order to come and pick her up and take her. You remember the parable about the ten virgins and that they're waiting. See, the husband is waiting to come back for his wife. And so we are waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is saying this, I go to prepare a place for you. And these are one of the few times that he speaks of this. And he says, and if I go prepare a place for you, see, there's got to be a reason. If I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go and prepare a place, there is a purpose for it. It's kind of like if we say right now the entire uh, or half of the ministry, we're going to go to another venue, another place, and we're going to get a sanctuary ready. And we're going to work on the sound system. And we're going to work on how we're going to lay out the parking lot. And and if that is the case, then you can assume, you can reason that where we go, then we're going to come back so that we can all migrate to that new place. Right? there's a reason for it and Jesus is laying this down and he's saying and I'm gonna if and if if I go I go and I prepare a place for you then if that's the case it's because I will come back again and receive you unto myself Jesus is saying this and this begins to confuse some of the disciples they're the ones that speak up actually begin to ask questions and he says that where I am, in other words, wherever I go, you are also going to be there with me. So remember, He said, don't be troubled. I'm going to go and I'm going to go prepare a place. And where I go and prepare this place, I'm going to come back because if I go, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you onto me. And then we're all going to go over there and we're going to be together. And this begins to, again, stir up kind of a question. Verse four, and whether I go, ye know, and where I'm gonna go, you know already, and you already know the way. You know what's interesting, and I, and I gave this example. If we were to get together right now, and if I were, as we are together, and if I were to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go meet you there. I'll see you guys in one hour, and I leave, you're gonna say, meet us where? Where are we going to go? We don't know what direction to go, north, south, east, west. We don't know the venue. We don't know the location. We don't know the time. But if I tell you, well, we're, I'm going to go get things ready and just go. You already know the way. That's what happened with them. And they're getting kind of confused. And, but Jesus says to them, you already know the way. So that you won't get lost. So that you'll know how to get there. And it's interesting because Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh cometh unto the Father but by me. And what he's revealing to him is, I'm telling you about where you got to go. You already know because that's me. I am the way. It's I am the direction. I am the place. And the the Bible tells you that there are, you know, the Bible tells you that there are ways that for man seems to be okay, seem to be good. But the end of them is death. And Jesus speaks of a wide path and a narrow path, of a wide door and a narrow door. And he, he counsels us to go in through the narrow path where not too many people want to walk in. But he says, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. So we know that Jesus Christ is going to be now and he is the way and the truth. When we talk about the truth, mankind, men and women in both there, you can see some sort of a twisted um, evilness where they take the truth and twist it around. And just to follow my example. If there's somebody that's been, you know, tra- taking a trial and we're charging you with robbery. Well, technically I didn't rob the place. Well, what do you mean? Well, I was just driving the car. They say, Well, I didn't really do it. And and they're an accessory. They're just as guilty as the other people. But they try and find a way. Well, technically, I didn't do it. I was just in the car. And so it's a half truth. Just like, and it reminds me what the devil said to to Eve You're not going to die. You're not going to die. It's just that he knows that the day you eat of that fruit of the tree of knowledge, you're going to be just like him. You're not going to die. And the truth be, the truth is that when Adam and Eve eat from that fruit, they did not die physically. But the enemy didn't tell them the truth that you will die spiritually. You will suffer a separation from God. So the enemy will always tell you a half truth. That's why lies and and deceit are just you know their brothers and sisters right there is just working together and so we know that the truth though is absolute it doesn't matter whether you're inside of the building or outside of the building in one country or another the truth is the same no matter what And Jesus Christ is the same in any country, in any culture, anywhere you go. Jesus Christ, his truth, his word is just absolute. It's the truth. It is not a matter of opinion. It is not a matter of philosophy. It is the truth and absolutely the truth. So help us God. Other things are just philosophies and ideas and opinions which don't really matter. So the truth, no, uh, the, the first point we're trying to make a truth is that Jesus Christ is preparing a place for us as his people. So let that be uh, engraved in our minds and in our hearts. And the truth, he says, and he is the life. And life is not just the physical, the, 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 that which is observed in the body where the heart is beating. I understand that we talk about life. You only got one life. You might as well enjoy life. And people go out there and they do things that are dangerous and put their lives at risk. You've only got one life. So you better take care of this life that God has given you. And when you really get down to it and you understand what our purpose is in life, you understand that your life is not so that you can live in, but you are here so that you can give him honor and glory. You have been created for God's glory. You have been created so that you will, in a sense, be an ambassador of Christ. That you will be a representative of Jesus Christ, of God himself here on this earth. Thomas, one of them, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from now, this moment forward, you know him. And have seen him. He says to him, this revelation, you know, if you want to get to the Father, you got to come through come unto me. Nobody comes unto the Father except through me. He says, and if you have known me, if you know who I am, then he says, And you would have known my father. And from this moment forward, you know him and have seen him. Now, this is Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples. And he's trying to, he's revealing to them through the word who he really is. And what's interesting is that you have this man that's within them, Philip. Verse 8 said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough. It suffices us. So one, Jesus is making a place for us where he is going to come back and take us to. Number two, Jesus Christ is the Father. And I know that there are many teachings out there that teach about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being three different entities. That's polytheism. And then there's even some that say, we don't believe in three gods. We believe that it's one God, but it's in just three different parts. Well, that's not what we believe. We believe that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is spirit and that he is manifesting himself in different ways and forms during different times of man's existence. And God was there before and God will be there after because he is eternal. And now he has made us also eternal, which is very interesting. But he says to Philip, you know, if you would have, if you hadn't, have not had known me. If you really know who I am, then you would have known the father. Because whomever has seen me has seen the father. And so right now he's not, he's not completely content unto him. And Jesus said, because Philip said, just show us the Father, that's enough. Just show us the Father, and we are satisfied, we are filled, we are content. That's all we want is for you to show us the Father. Jesus said unto unto him, have I been so long with you? Have I been so long time with you? In other words, I've been with you all this time, and you haven't known me, Philip? you haven't realized who i am philip philip i've been with you all this time and you don't even realize who i am you know who's speaking god himself yes jesus is standing there jesus is speaking but i want you to see something about what jesus is doing his divine self is speaking to this man And from this moment, you know him and you have seen him. Show us the father. I've been with you so long. You have not even known me, Philip. He has seen me. has seen the father. Then how do you say then, show us the father? He says to him, he's trying to prove something because the the Jewish people would want to sign and say, believe it. Don't you believe that I am the father, that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus Christ did not heal everybody. I remember that there was a man that for many years, 38 years, he had been asking for alms extending his hand out this is during the time of after the filling of the power of the Holy Ghost upon the disciples of Jesus and one of them actually uh Peter extends his hand to him and, and wants to take him by and looks at him in his eyes and he tells him gold and silver I have not but in the name of Jesus Christ I give to you what I have in the name of Jesus get up and he picks him up And that's the power of God. So that man was still sick during that time. Jesus didn't heal him. Because there was work that still had to be done because of the power of the Holy Ghost being given to us. This is very interesting. But he says to him, you know, one of the things I want you to understand is that Jesus Christ did what he saw was the will of God. It's somewhat a little bit of a daunting task to try and explain this. But Jesus Christ in his Divine nature or his nature. And I explained it, I'm going to explain this to you. You and I need to eat and drink. So did Jesus. You and I need to rest. So did Jesus. You and I need to pray. So did Jesus. You and I need to consecrate ourselves. So did Jesus. Jesus Christ, even though he is God, never took it as a form of an advantage. He always submitted himself. He always, always did what he had to do, which is the perfect will of God. So everything that Jesus said, the things that he said, the things that he did, he said and he did because of the perfect will of God. In other words, he spoke what he was given to speak. You and I have a spirit that came from God. You and I have a soul that is a result of the spirit of God or the, the spirit that God gave us, into this human body to now become a being. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is God, the one that gave the life. That's the difference between he and and us, that we have the spirit of God that God gave for humanity. God in Jesus Christ, in his body, is God, the creator of heaven and earth, the giver of life. And so this is interesting because now he's declaring to him if even if you don't believe it how come why don't you believe it at least according to the works the signs the miracles the wonders they speak of this they give testimony about this And if it's not because of the words, at least because of the things, the works that are done. Verse 12, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you. And it's very important for you to understand that when he says verily, verily, or when they repeat something, it's a very, very, very important point. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. There's a cause and effect. And Jesus is saying, if I do great things... You're going to do greater things. You know, church, we got to believe this. We got to believe this. That if Jesus Christ did something, we're going to do greater things. And the reason that that is possible is because he had to leave. There is a reason why he departs from them. Follow me and we're not going to be too long. He says this, you're going to be able to do greater things. Verse 13 Thank you, Sister Genesis. Whatsoever you ask, you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Verse 13, again, Sister? That that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And I'm going to look at this. If you look at this, what do you want? What is it that you would like? What is it that you may need? Jesus Christ is saying, Whatever it is, whatever it is you ask for, whatsoever, anything you shall ask in my name, that, who will do it? He says, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus Christ said this. A lot of times people think, well, the Father's the one that's doing things. Jesus says, I will do it. Whatever you ask for in my name, ask for my Father in my name. I know we go like this by nature, right? That's how we think as human beings. But Jesus says, whatever you ask for from my Father in my name, I will do it. I will do it. You know, to me what that sounds like, it's the Creator speaking through this body named Jesus. <laughs> When he says to, to, to them, "You have seen me has seen the Father, it's me. It's like him telling us, it's me, the creator of heaven and earth, right here, standing. How long have I been with you, Philip? How long have I been with all of you, and you don't know me? They didn't realize who they were walking with, who they were growing with. And so we can see in the word of God that Jesus Christ reveals to them that he is the father. One important thing for you to notice is this. He said that anything we ask for in his name. And that's because tradition has taken over where people begin to pray for things. And they say in the name of the father, the son of the Holy Ghost. The Bible never teaches that. Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name. Tradition is one of the three authorities in our life. One, uh, for example, I'm going to say a tradition is we get a get together as a family event every year. That's a tradition. There's nothing wrong with that. And I asked somebody one time, well, do you know why people hang piñatas? And i are like, well, I don't understand. We may never know the truth about it. But in the, some of the traditions, it represents Judas, who after having um, betrayed Jesus, is so guilty that he goes and he hangs himself. And as he is hanging, he bursts open and his guts pour out. Sorry, I know there's kids here. So now, what cultures have done is actually hang a piñata that represents Judas, and they beat him until the candies come out. And so sometimes we do things without knowing what it really means. You ever seen the round piñata with the with the with the cones or with the the spikes on there? Some of them said it's six, some of them seven. The Bible says that there are six things that are an abomination unto the Lord, and even it's seven. And so some of the tradition says, well, what they do is that represents the seven sins of man. Then they blindfold you so that you're disoriented. They spin you around. And then your job is to try and fight the temptation, and you're trying your best to just beat it away. So there are things that are tradition that we do that sometimes we don't realize what it really means. Some things are perfectly harmless. Some things are not harmless. Two would be another authority. One plus one is? And two plus two is? Four. I knew there was mathematicians here, right? My brother's an engineer. Iron does not float. The Titanic was floating. But when it was breached, when its hull was breached, it sank because iron does not float. That's logic. But God says, step aside with your logic because the man of God, the prophet, touches the waters with a stick and the axe head floats. (laughs) And logic says that when a human body begins to die, it breaks down. There's no neurological activity. There's no beating of the heart. There's no blood circulation. And you start to have necrosis, and, and everything starts to die. Then you have rigor mortis, where the body begins, at first, uh, the body begins to relax, and then it begins to stiffen. And that's rigor mortis, and and, and the body is just dead. It becomes decomposed, the bacteria, and there in the body starts to swell up and release gases and a really bad smell. And it's over. Once it's done, it's done. But then you have Jesus that says to a man that was dead, his body that was dead for four days. He steps up to the the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And here comes the dead man coming out of that tomb. After four days of being dead. Some people have said that uh, Jewish custom says that around for three days, somebody can, you know, maybe still come back to life. Jesus removes that doubt. I'll give you four days. (laughs) That way you can't turn around and say, well, he could have resurrected anyways. It's not, it's not a miracle. And, and, and now, well, I'll give you four days, and he resurrects him. And, and poor Lazarus, because now they're trying to murder him because he gives testimony of the power of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, because now we're going to make a transition First, tra- first point that we were making is Jesus has prepared a place where he is going to take us to. Number two, Jesus Christ is the father. This is all in chapter 14 of John. The, in our translation, we're going to get to enter into the Holy Spirit. That is a promise in who he is. Verse 19, though, or verse 15 is very pivotable. pivotal. It is a great pivot, a pivoting point. He says this, if you love me. Keep my commandments. It's so easy to just read over this and continue reading forward to the promise of the Holy Ghost. But he says this, if you love me, keep my commandments, keep my word. And he says this, and I will pray the Father. And I and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that ye that he may abide with you forever. I'm gonna tell you something. I was born in Mexico on a Sunday. My father was a pastor. After Sunday school, he told the congregation, God bless you, I'm going to go. My son is going to be born. He spoke by faith. There was no ultrasounds back then. He had no way of knowing, boy or girl. He just by faith said, God bless you, I'm going to go. My son's going to be born. And I remember growing up there in Mexicali, and I remember seeing the church doors, how uh, they didn't have uh, the the type of fasteners that we have now or the... Uh, the hardware, they actually had chains to chain the doors, double doors. And I remember, I could I could almost turn around, but I'm not going to. But if I was, I remember in my mind, if I was standing here, the palm trees are right here. They're very tall and dates have fallen down to the ground. And you could look up and see the palm frongs. And the sanctuary is here, the temple or the sanctuary. And you can see the double doors and you can step inside. I remember it. I remember the pastoral house that was right there on the same lot, the dining room. And uh, I remember the layout. I remember all that. But you know what? That doesn't make any difference unless you have an experience with Christ. That's what really counts. And the reason I'm saying this is because uh, we got to think about what he is saying. Keep my commandments. He's saying it doesn't matter how close we are into the church. If we are not faithful to his commandments, to his word, then we lose out. Because he says that he is going to pray. Pray. And there's going to be another comforter and this may seem the reason why are you bringing up the fact that you grew up in the church because for a lot of us even though we grew up in the church all of this was not always clear I remember I dropped off my wife she was going to mission college we were we were just married and I was at home and I was going through uh, this chapter and I was remembering I was talking to Jesus I was reading I said Jesus this is why people get confused because you talk about You know, the the father, you talk about the Holy Ghost or the spirit of God. And you talk about these things like in third person and this and this and that. And then all of a sudden I get to the point where he says this in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. But when you read that in English, you you look at it in Spanish. He is saying this, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Man, talk about God speaking to you. Brother, I just shed tears. And I said, only a father can say that to his children. Jesus Christ, the Father is standing there, speaking to them, sharing this truth, and He is opening His heart. And he said, "Look, just keep my commandments, and if you do, I'm going to pray the Father, and He will, and and He shall give you another comforter with a capital C, comforter, though the one that comes and comforts you when you're in pain and when you're in suffering and when you're afraid. I remember seeing the video of the fires; somebody had the ring, and the ring uh, that that uh, camera was recording, and I felt so bad for seeing this this uh, junior. Age uh, girl, and and she's by the car with her mother. She's standing there with her backpack, and people are running and screaming. The fire is coming, and you can see her run back inside, and the reporter said, and the mother chases her, goes running after her to comfort her, to tell her it's going to be okay, and here is Jesus Christ, the Father, saying that if we keep His commandments, then he will, he will pray the Father and he shall give us another comforter that he may abide with us forever. Who is this comforter? Verse 17 tells you who it is, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive him because it seeth not. They don't, they don't see. The spirit of truth, Nor the, neither do they know with him. In other words, they don't know the spirit of truth. They don't see the spirit of truth. So they cannot receive the spirit of truth. But you and I, Jesus says to them, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and he shall be with you. Where is this spirit of truth? Because he says he is dwelling with you. And he says, I will not leave you comfortless or as orphans, I will come to you. Because Jesus Christ is the spirit of truth. Yeah just not revealed as the spirit of truth. There's a time where Jesus will come back as the spirit of truth, the comforter, but it's not that time yet. He speaks in the future. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you a little while longer. The world's not going to see me anymore. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit and that they shall come verse 20 at that day. There's going to be a day that at that day, ye shall know that I am in my father and ye in me and I in you. This is where I'm going to to summarize, so it won't be so long. This is what happens. He says, There's going to come a day where all this is going to start to make sense to you. That's basically what he's saying. At that day, the Comforter, when that happens, you are going to understand that I am in the Father, the Father in me, and that I am in you. That's what he's saying. When you really look at what he's saying, that's exactly what he's saying to them. You're going to understand it. And he tells us how this spirit of truth is going to remind us of the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this beforehand, before it all happens so that you will believe. You ever had somebody try and tell you that, well, I know what's going to happen. And they're telling you something that everybody knows. (laughs) Man, that ain't no prophecy. That's no mystery. You're telling us already common knowledge. But Jesus Christ is saying, I'm telling you all of this, it hadn't yet happened. So that when it happens, you will believe. And Jesus Christ reminds us again. Verse 23. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is the one that loves me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by my, of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So on that day, he is going to manifest himself. Manifest comes from the etymology of the word, includes the word uh, like manual, hand. And what that means is something that cannot be seen will become present, almost palpable. I said this to the Spanish congregation, and it's, we got to be very careful You know, Hollywood does these movies like they did The Exorcist and other spooky movies where they deal and talk about things they have no idea about. They don't know what they're messing with. And we as believers of Christ have to be very careful. And I remember the Bible, remember this, what the Bible says, that the young men get together and they try and cast out a devil out of of another man. And they say, To him, well, in the name of, you know, the one that Paul preaches and the devil, that that man with the spirit looks at them. Now, the man doesn't speak to them, but the spirit manifests. I know Jesus, and I even know who Paul is. But who are you? They were trying to cast him out in Jesus' name, but they didn't have the authority. I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is. Who are you? And that one single man begins to beat and tear off the clothing to the point it leaves them nude, and they run away because they messed with the wrong spirit. And sometimes we don't understand that, and and we see kind of movies out there, but I've lived this. Some of us have experienced this. We were at a Bible study at one time. I'm not going to give you too many details, but we knew that there was a problem, and they had said, we need you, and this person was very upset because we told them, well, pastor's not here. And this person began to cry because they really wanted... This wasn't a time before our pastor right now, before Victor probably was uh, Brother Manuel Castorena. And we said, well, he told me to tell you he can't make it, but we're going to have the Bible study. They were already upset. Oh, man, we got so many things going on. And after the Bible study, the person began to go into... They were in the kitchen here began to cry. And they began to manifest something was there. And the Spirit, very few times... Have I experienced this? When I'm talking to the other brothers and we see a spiritual realm open up, something's going on. And I'm so calm. Normally people get so scared and I'm so calm and so, I am so reassured. I said, brothers, let us go and pray against this that's going on. We go up there and I, and I'm, they have this, this person up against the wall and this person's eyes are rolling back. The whole thing. And I think this was not Hollywood, this was real. And I didn't feel the fear. I just felt the the assurance. And we began to pray. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, we began to rebuke. In Jesus' name, come out. And that person just hollered. I said, they're going to call 911. Some of the cops are going to come over. This person was screaming at the top of their lungs, fell, sitting down. And I asked, what did you do? Tell me what you did. She said, I played with the Ouija board. And the spirit went inside of me. So we rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to, you know, let's have a reality check here. And remember that the devil can manifest himself in many different ways. That doesn't really bother me or concern me because the one I care about is the one that he says, I will manifest myself. And that's what he says right here. That he will manifest himself. If you look at the scripture again, verse 22, Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, that, that, would, that he was out there betraying Jesus. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man loves me, he's going to keep my words. My father will love him. We will come unto him and make our about in, with him our dwelling place he that loves me those that don't love me they're not going to keep my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the father which has sent me in other words i'm telling you things that i've been given to speak to you it's not my words these things i have spoken unto you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the holy ghost that's who it is whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all these things bring to you in remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you all right We're going to get ready to conclude. Brother, if you can come play the piano. Trying to cut this shorter and a little bit clearer than the first time around. Um, Is Jesus coming back for us? Yes or no? As a little boy, fear of the Lord, the good fear of the Lord, not terror of God, but love and respect unto God came into my life. And every day I would ask, is today the day? (laughs) Maybe I want to do something bad and I would remember, what if Jesus Christ comes now? And I'd hold back. But that came into, and I still consider it every day. Jesus Christ can actually come today. He can. When he will, we don't know, but he will. And he says, first of this, um, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Angels give testimony of Jesus coming back. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. 11. And when he had spoken these words, these things, speaking about Jesus, while they beheld, they were looking, he was taken up. Jesus Christ is standing there. Then Jesus Christ begins to ascend. He was taken up. And then a cloud received him out of their sights. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparels and they said which also said ye men of Galilee you men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into the heavens why are you standing there looking up at the heavens this same Jesus which is taken up from you in this into heaven shall also come just the way you see him leave or he's being taken into the heaven that's how he's going to come back Angels give t- gave testimony of this. He's coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. The Bible says the following. 1 Thessalonians. And thank you, sister, for helping us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 speaks of the church. Of a time and a moment when Jesus Christ is going to come back. 1st Thessalonians And we are patient because our sister and brother are helping us. 1st Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself, not somebody else, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first verse 17 then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord first Corinthians 15 verse 51 through 52 tells us that there is a mystery and he says not all of us shall be dead not a lot of us shall be asleep or resting not all of us but there will come a time when the 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 resting and and those that are awake will be now behold i show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed oh i'll fly away oh glory i'll fly away there's a song that is sung the next verse please 52 says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye in the last trump the trumpet for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed Matthew 26 26 through 29 Matthew 26 we see Jesus having broken the bread and having poured out the fruit of the vine, not wine, like a lot of people think. Fruit of the vine. And there's a reason we know that. First, it's Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Twenty-six through verse 26 through
1: 29.
0: Yeah, that's Matthew 26. Thank you. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body jesus is doing something right there the next verse please and he says and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink ye all of it the next verse for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many of the for the remission of sins the last verse the next one says but i say unto you i will not drink henceforth Of this fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So when we celebrate communion, what you are doing is two things. Number one, you are remembering the death of Jesus Christ and you are announcing by faith, I take this because he's coming back for me. Does that make sense? I'm coming. He's coming back for me. All right. Now that was Jesus Christ coming uh, for us. Number two, the second truth we talked about Jesus Christ is the Father. If you read, and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures in Isaiah, it is already prophesied that a virgin shall conceive, right? We know that this has already been carried out. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I think we can go ahead and scroll through our scriptures here. I just have to go in English and then Spanish. I'll go through Isaiah chapter 5, 7, verse 14. The Bible says the following, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? The word or the name Emmanuel means God with us. That's who was born. God with us was born. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says the following. It says, It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given proving that Jesus Christ is the Father and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Consular, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is Bible scripture giving us proof and evidence of who Jesus Christ is. When you look at Hebrews chapter um, 1, verse 1 and on, the Bible tells us the following in the name of Jesus Christ says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times in the past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also he had made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on earth high what he is telling me is this when jesus christ says he who has seen me has seen the father they are looking at the image they are looking at the the greatness the the glory of jesus of god himself in jesus christ praise god if you'll just bear with me in colossians it tells you that in jesus christ bodily abides the fullness of god himself in the body of jesus christ first timothy three sixteen tells you and without contradiction great is the mystery of the godhead god was manifested in the flesh that's what the Bible says God was manifested in the in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed out in the world out in the world and received up in glory what the Greeks mythology never did a a God that would be able to draw near humanity that was fantasy our God actually did this so in other words when people saw Jesus Christ they saw the Lord the Savior the creator the, the The one that made all things right there manifested in the flesh. I know that's deep. People turn around and try and contradict that. But in John chapter 5, 1 John 5.20, it tells us another divine truth of who Jesus Christ is. 1 John, if you have it uh, up there, multimedia, fine. If not, we're going to, with the help of the Lord, get it really quick here. verse 5 verse 20 says the following and we know that the son of god has come we know jesus christ has come and has given us an understanding we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true he is the truth even in his son jesus christ who is this jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life that's who jesus christ is this is the true god remember thomas he, he 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 now he begins to worship jesus and he says says to him my lord my god we talk about the holy ghost we say we see how john the baptist says surely i baptize you in water but after me before me comes somebody that will baptize you in fire and the holy ghost that's a promise prophetic nobody had told him about the holy ghost no human being had told john the baptist about the promise of the holy ghost but he knew that jesus christ was coming the messiah and he knew that he would baptize people in water and that jesus that the messiah when he was confirmed who jesus is he knew that the messiah would baptize them in holy ghost and fire We know that Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3 verses 5 and 8 to Nicodemus that whoever is not born of water and of the spirit cannot enter the kingdom of God. He promised it, he said it, and he did it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 8. He said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witness, you shall bear witness into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and until the ends of the world. He promised it, and it was prophesied in Joel two twenty eight. And in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In Acts chapter 2, we see how the Holy Ghost, and that day came. Remember it said, and that day, at that day that they came, and now Jesus Christ had poured out His Spirit and was no longer at a time just walking with them, but at this moment, then He is there in them. How many of you have the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand. Spoken in other tongues. Jesus Christ is right there inside. I know that people are not going to believe it a lot of the times. They're going to say, we're crazy. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you spoke in tongues. Jesus Christ is right here. He said it, He promised it, He keeps his word. You ever want to see Jesus hug somebody? Look at a man or woman of God hung. hug another person. That's Jesus Christ working right there. We know who is the Holy Ghost for because somebody told me one time that it was that we were wrong. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you see how Jewish people believed and they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were also, undoubtedly, the disciples filled with the Holy Ghost at that time. And you see in that, somebody told me, that's for the Jewish people, Jaime, that you're wrong. But you see it also in Acts chapter 8, where the Samaritans were the ones that also received the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. And then you see in Acts chapter 10, how the Gentiles are also filled with the Holy Ghost. And they speak in other tongues. And Jewish people are surprised. Let me tell you something. How many of you received the Holy Ghost before you were baptized? How many of you received the Holy Ghost after you were baptized? You know what's the interesting thing about Jesus Christ? Is that he is absolute. he says, I'm going to fill this person when I want. But Jesus, they ain't baptized yet. He didn't care the gentiles weren't baptized yet he filled them with the gift of the holy ghost made them speak in other tongues and the people that were of the circumcision the ones that were traditional they were surprised even the gentiles are speaking in other tongues like we did jesus christ is absolute and sovereign and he is faithful if you'll stand with me the fullness of christ john 14 it's so intense so deep brother how come I can't receive the Holy Ghost that's a deep question brother sister John 14 tells me Jesus himself said if you love me keep my commandments and the gift of the Holy Ghost is a gift you don't have to win it you don't have to buy it you don't even have to earn it. It's a gift by grace. It gives you responsibility. It gives you power. It gives you gifts, supernatural gifts. So today, whether you're saved or you haven't been baptized yet, you need to get a hold of Jesus and start believing His Word. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, it's not like the old days. What do you mean, the old days? All the old days, we used to see a lot of miracles. Really? Yeah. It's true. My father told me stories. And it turns out another member of the church actually knew the same preacher, Gilberto Muñoz, very famous name from Mexico. would go and pray for people. They'd be delivered, talking strange things. Uh, with people that have been, you know, affected by witchcraft and other spiritual oppressions, very well-known man of God. And something that's very interesting is I, say to, I said to that person, well, what is it that maybe we're doing that's not in God's will? Because God hasn't changed. One of the things that I've discovered is that because of lack of the knowledge that we have sometimes, we hinder our spiritual lives. Anybody ever come to you and try to tell you about there's one, two, three Or different entities, all you need is just that one named Jesus Christ. That's all you need. That's all you need. Are you sure? He said, whoever has seen him has seen the Father. But are you sure? The Bible says that he would fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus is here. If you've been blessed by Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come forward. That's just my way of getting everybody to come to the front. Because everybody's been blessed by Jesus Christ. Even if you don't realize it by accident, you've been blessed. Now, there's no such thing as accidents in Jesus. Why would Jesus ever fill me? Why would Jesus ever love me? Some people have asked themselves that question. Mama left me. Dad left me. If my own mother that gave birth to me abandoned me, Why would he ever love me? He said that if your father, if my mother and father were to leave me, the Lord shall pick me up with everything. There's something that we know is that orphans that have lost their mother and their father, Jesus Christ, the Lord himself, defends them. Defends them. I just think that we're just so blessed. Just pray with me if you'll follow me, Lord, thank you Jesus. Because John in John chapter 14 and the rest of the word of God, Lord, there is truth to be revealed to us. And I thank you for that truth, Lord Jesus, that you have allowed us to understand that you are the Father, that when we know Lord, that when we receive you, we receive the Father, because you are the Father. We thank you, God, because we know that one day, everything we've gone through, Lord, will fade away. Everything that we've suffered will be a a gone memory, erased from our hearts, and we will see you face to face, Jesus. Lord, I preach your word because I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus. That's why I preach your word. That's why I live for you, Jesus. Because we love you, Jesus, we have left things in this world. And it's all worth it, Jesus, because of who you are in our lives. You are our Father. You are our Comforter. I remember, Jesus, when we had a problem in our home. I remember, Lord, as I laid down, so troubled because of what was going on with my father. You you shared your word. You spoke to me. Let your heart not be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. And Jesus, many people have told me that they don't believe that you are real. But I remember how you put those words in my heart and in my mind. And then I got a phone call. And I went and I picked up my father before he got mugged by two criminals. You had already sent a security guard to protect him. You had provided You showed me, God, in those very little moments and details that you are there. You're not deaf. You're not blind. You're not mute. You're not a figment of an imagination. You are Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Right now, Lord Jesus, we can't see you, but I know you're here. And I want to honor you, Jesus. I want to honor you, my Lord, my Savior, my King, Lord of lords and King of kings. Fill this place with your presence, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us always value God. Appreciate what you have done for us, Lord Jesus. We're born into different families, God, but with your perfect plan of salvation in our lives. Available for us to receive. I thank you, Jesus. I acknowledge you, Lord. You are the Holy Ghost. You have filled our lives. You are in us. You are with us and you are in us. You have never left us and you will never forsake us. And I just want to honor you right now, Jesus. And I pray, God, that our faith will not dwindle, but that our faith will grow in Jesus' name. And we will remember each and every day, we are children of God. We are your children, God. You are here abiding in us. This is just a building outside. Buildings, roof shingles, concrete, cement, wood. That's just the building you have decided to live in us. And I thank you, Jesus. We want to honor you, Jesus. But now I'm going to invite you to ask God to help you as I pray for you as well. Lord, I pray you keep us. Keep us, Lord, in the path of God. Keep us in your word, Lord. May your word be special and precious to our lives. In Jesus' name, put a love for the word of God in our hearts, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord Jesus, be faithful to you. In the name of Jesus, Christ, we're gonna pray for each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, we're gonna ask the ministers to help us lay hands and pray. In Jesus' name, so that God will strengthen you. We'll be faithful to God each and every day of your lives. In Jesus' name, as so a priestly
1: ministers.